Come, Lord, we give you permission to do what you desire. Make our minds, our hearts, our souls fertile soil for the gospel, that your word may bear great fruit in our life. Lord, illuminate the scriptures for us. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. A Eucharistic revival. We might ask ourselves the question, why do we need a Eucharistic revival? Is the because at the core of who we are as Catholics, the church reminds us that the Eucharist, the most holy Eucharist, is the source and summit of the Christian life. I mean, it's a, a phrase that many of us have heard before, but, but to, to think of that reality, these words, like these are not words used flippantly, very intentional. The Most Holy Eucharist is the source is a place, it is the reality from which everything in the Christian life flows from. And it is the summit. It is the, the culmination of the Christian life flowing back into. And so if we want to live the Christian life well, then we have to have a deep knowledge, love, devotion, and understanding and can particularly love of the Most Holy Eucharist, it being the source and the summit. And the, the kind of sober reality, if you've seen the, the studies in 2019, that a little less than 30% of Catholics actually believe that the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. A little less than 30%. The source and summit of our faith, less than a third, like far less than a third of those who are Catholic believe. So this, how many of the 30%, right, of, of those who believe have like a depth of love and relationship with the Eucharist? So we, we see this, and when I say like saying this in a shaming way, but in a way, there's just kind of sober reality. And for ourselves to ask the question, like, is the Eucharist the source and summit of my life? And if not, why? And as I was thinking this and praying with this, I just kept going back. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned in the homily the words that Jesus spoke to Mother Teresa, speaking specifically about the poor in Calcutta. He said, they do not love me, because they do not know me. But they do not love me because they do not know me. Here's the thing, brothers and sisters. It is impossible, like if we have a genuine love, like knowledge of who Jesus is, not to be drawn in love of him. Like if we knew who Jesus was in the most holy Eucharist and in his presence, then the, the entirety of our life, right? And we're in this, this journey here, this journey, because we're fallen, we still have the effects of sin in our life, 
but everything in our life would just move like, Lord, is that you? Then I want nothing more. St. John Paul II, in speaking to youth at the time, he had, he had speaking to them, is like, when you long for happiness, when you long for anything that is good, he said, it is Jesus that you seek. Even though we don't know. I've, I've quoted this before, St. John of the Cross, that he has this beautiful understanding of kind of our fallen hearts and the beauty of the world and all the things and the Lord at the center of it. This is called the questioning of the creatures that we go throughout life like asking all the created things, are you the one? Are you the one? And what does he mean by are you the one? Like there's this longing for total happiness and fulfillment in my soul. There's this longing in the depth of my soul and I'm going around asking, right, all the things like, are you the one? Are you the one? How many experiences in your life that you've had, you're like, if I just get this, if I just accomplish this in, my, um, in school, in my job, in relationships, like if I could just get there. How many of you are like, you know what, if I could just be one of the 170,000 people at the Garth Brooks concert when he's singing, call in Baton Rouge, I tell you what, that's going to be it. And then you go and you're like, that was awesome. And then the next day you're like, well, I mean, like, I still want more. Come back, Garth, right? You know, like, sing a new song. Is that all you got? And because the heart is made and oriented for the Lord. And so, again, St. John of the Cross, like, we ask the creatures, are you the one? Are you the one? Are you the one? Are you the one? And he says, all of them tell us this, I am not he, but he has passed by and left some of his beauty here. Right, the thing that we're longing for in the created thing, even in other human relationships, there is, an, there is a participation in the beauty of Christ that is there that's drawing us, but it's ultimately not him. It says, I am not he, but he has passed by and left some of his beauty here. And you know where he went? Right here. Right here. Right here, brothers and sisters. In the most simple in humble form. As we celebrate the Mass, that bread and wine, by the power and grace of the Holy Spirit, become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And the church has believed this from day one when Jesus, at the Last Supper, instituted the Holy Eucharist, saying, this is my body given up for you. He did not say this is a symbol of my body. He did not say this is a sign of my body. This is my body. And the church has taught that. I've talked in the past about Eucharistic miracles, the one in Lanciano, where literally the priest is doubting the Eucharist, right? The priest is like, I don't know about this, like in mass. And it becomes flesh and it starts to bleed in his hand. And then years later, in the 70s, they did a test, and it was cardiac tissue. Cardiac tissue, that there were certain types of enzymes in there that showed that 
the person died as edema of the heart, right? There was this, this flooding of the heart with this fluid. Oh, when Jesus' heart was pierced on the cross, would float out blood and water. The blood type was the same blood type found on the Shroud of Turin, right? This is like, we don't need these things, but the Lord gives us these things. And so what I want to invite you we can speak about the Eucharist over and over and over and forever as the source and someone of our faith. But I want to invite you to do. Because I think sometimes we approach the Eucharist on our own power. Like, gosh, that is hard to believe. And guess what? That's what the people said the first time Jesus told them. John 6, read John 6. Go home and read John 6. Jesus is telling people, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. And they're like, hmm. He crazy. He crazy, y'all. All the miracles, that was great. Feeding in 5,000, that's what we have right here. Beautiful, amazing. Eating his flesh, drinking his blood, he's off his rocker. So those who are following him begin to leave. They said, this is a hard teaching. This is a hard teaching. So many who followed him left. Again, we've said, but then he turns to the 12, like the inner circle, the ones who are with him all the time. He says, are you two going to leave? This could be any difficult teaching that Jesus has. Are you two going to leave? And what does Peter say? He doesn't say, Lord, I understand what you're saying. Like, that's not hard. It's pretty easy. Like, why are they having a problem believing that? He doesn't say that. He says, Lord, where are we going to go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. So even though you are saying something that is difficult, even though you are saying something that is hard, that I cannot understand, Jesus, I have come to trust in you. I've come to trust in you. And so there's nowhere else for me to go. So if you're struggling with belief in the Eucharist, if you think, again, we approach it, I think, too often. I remember in my own conversion experience, grew up a Catholic kid, the Lord grabbed my heart when I was here, really facilitated by our Protestant brothers and sisters who were teaching me um, to know the Lord in a deep way and to pray with Scripture. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I had, like, this toolbox of all these things that I had learned in Catholic school and my family. Like, wait, that's what that means? That's what that's for? Oh, my gosh, what's going on? And then it comes to the Eucharist, and there was this, like, tension in my mind and heart. I was like, I know there's something there that I cannot grasp. There's something there that I cannot grasp. But like, really? Really like the body and blood of Jesus? I don't know about that. And when I, when I looked at it in my own human power, again, it was just like, mm, this is hard. This is hard. But as the Lord gave me the grace to like open my heart and ask for faith, that as I invited the Holy Spirit into my mind and my heart, there was just this conviction that is only the gift of supernatural faith. Like, Lord, I do not completely understand, but you are there. And that is you. And I almost actually left the Catholic Church at that time because of the, the experience of like community, the experience of like knowing Jesus and growing in so many ways, this community that I was experiencing outside of the church. 
and other Christian communities. And it was me and another friend of mine. And what we just kept saying, like, I just can't leave the Eucharist. I just can't leave him. And the Eucharist kept me, and then just slowly but surely, then I started to meet people in the church who knew and loved Jesus in a powerful way. And I'm like, oh, wait, there are people here like that too. Yes. And then this crazy idea about the priesthood, I was like, no. (laughs) No. The Lord won, and I'm sure glad he did. So today, as we begin the Eucharistic revival, I want to invite you, brothers and sisters, to begin it on your knees in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. On your knees. And ask the Holy Spirit to come, whether you have deep conviction already or whether you're like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I'm only here for Father's Day and I can't wait to get out to church. Begin it on your knees. And ask the Holy Spirit for the gift of faith in the Lord's presence in the Most Holy Eucharist. And then also study. It's approaching from the heart and the mind, this integration that we have as Catholics. And so you can go on our website, signupform.org. You go on the USCCB website and they have, click the tab on the Eucharistic Revival, click the tab for learn. There's the studies about the Most Holy Eucharist. And ask the Holy Spirit to come. And I just want to invite you, whatever time that you have in the week, to come here, the Christ the King, to our Adoration Chapel, one of the Adoration Chapels in the city, one of the churches in the city, to pray before the Lord in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament regularly. To go to confession regularly. To ask for Him to illuminate your mind and heart. To study the Eucharist. So again, praying before the Eucharist celebrating the, the, the sacrament of reconciliation, studying the truths of the faith, and then serving the poor. There's this beautiful, mystical connection between Jesus' presence in the Eucharist and the poor that is so awesome. And if we do these things, then the heart, the Eucharistic heart of Jesus will come alive in us. And as the Eucharistic heart of Jesus comes alive in us, then it will become alive in others. And the Eucharistic revival will begin person by person across this nation so that we'll flip it, right? 70% of all Catholics believe in the power and presence of Jesus in the most holy Eucharist. And then we're going to get the other 30% too. Come, Lord. Today we begin on our knees asking for this grace. We can say to Jesus, this is a hard teaching. And he's like, I know. I know. But trust me. I am here and I am present. This is my body given up for you.